What can we expect from the day two picks of the Dallas Cowboys? All that and more this episode of the Locked On Cowboys Podcast. You are Locked On Cowboys, your Locked daily Dallas Cowboys on. podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Locked Network, your on. team every day. Locked, 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 Locked On. Locked On Cowboys. Welcome back to the Locked On Cowboys podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We'd like to thank you for making us your first listen of the day. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of the NFL. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. I am your host, Marcus Mosher. You can follow me on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosher. And joining me today, as always, is Landon McCool. You can check him out on Twitter at McCoolBCB. Landon, how you doing today, sir? I'm doing well. I, I was trying to sit here and think, has there ever been a pair of of day two picks that had more complicated last names to try to pronounce uh, altogether? Schoonamaker Overshawn is, uh, is pretty close. Is all-timer, I would say. Yeah, so today we're breaking down the Cowboys' day two picks. If you want to listen to us talk about Mozzie Smith, uh, go back to the Thursday night episode that we posted. We did a full breakdown on him today, focusing just on these guys. And let's start with Luke Shudemaker, uh, number 58 overall. Lena, what player did you see when you turned on the tape? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I, you know, I think I saw a, uh, a, a, and again, this is the, the, the comparison to the prospect, not the player. Yes. I saw a, Dalton Schultz plus plus player, right? Like he he kind of comes in from a very similar type of of, of run heavy offense. You see a lot him a lot, you know, blocking on on the end of the line of scrimmage. Uh, but on top of that, you also see him moving everywhere. He isn't just mm-hmm. like uh, a guy that is just on the line of scrimmage or just in the slot. You see him as an H back. You see him as an F. You see him as a Y. You see him as a as a tight slot. Um, and, and I think the thing that really kind of stuck out to me is, uh, well, two things. He gets off the line very well. Yes. And, and that's he one thing explodes I explodes off the line of scrimmage. And that's one thing I really like uh, to pay attention to with tight ends. I mean, that's, that's goes back to Witten, who I feel like even when he was old, could get off the line very, very well. And then I think the thing that really kind of stuck out to me, and this is just about his receiving uh, is how well he snaps off his routes. Like he yeah. really does have start stop ability that you don't really see from these bigger, taller tight ends. Uh, when he runs a stop route, it's very sudden. When he makes his cuts, it's it's with explosion. Um, so I think he's going to have a lot of uh, ability early to uh, be a quick quick receiver, be able mm-hmm. to like help out in that area that you normally uh, target tight ends kind of uh, with quick passes. Uh, and then as well with some upside to be a down-the-field receiver because of the yep. rest of athleticism that we'll discuss. I'm sure. Yeah, and I, I wanted to just talk really quickly about the production here because I think that's what something people are getting hung up on. Played five years at Michigan, 637 total yards, 418 came last year. We just have seen that <laughs> tight end production coming out of college just really doesn't matter. Like. Dalton yeah. Schultz, I think, had 500 yards in three seasons at Stanford. No more than 200 yards in a season. TJ Hawkinson didn't have big numbers. I think Travis Kelsey, who was really only a receiver, had less than 1,000 total yards in college. Like It just doesn't translate to the NFL. 
on top of that, Landon, he played in an offense that averaged 25 passing attempts per game last year, 16 completions. Like, they just didn't throw the ball at Michigan very yeah. often. And when they did, it was going to Ronnie Bell. And then occasionally, Shoemaker would get some underneath targets. So, I just I wouldn't if you're concerned about the lack of production, I just wouldn't worry about it too much. You're looking for traits here. Yeah, and honestly, you know, I saw somebody tweet yesterday. I I wish that we could see him in college doing what he will do in the NFL. I would argue you saw a lot of him doing in college what he's going to be agree. doing in the NFL. Yeah. He, I mean, he you could see him doing making NFL block tight end blocks maybe more than almost most of these uh, other tight ends that are in the draft because he's doing it so often. Now, obviously, as you mentioned, he doesn't have the same kind of targeting that some of these other tight ends have, but that's also about usage. That's not necessarily about his talent. I think what you've seen in those targets when he's, you know, when he's out in route is that he's very adept. I mean, he has the skill set to be an NFL tight end or receiving tight end. There's no doubt about that in my mind. Yeah. Um, he, he has an, an upside to be a good receiving tight end too. So, um, you know, I think there's been a lot of like talk about, uh, you know, and this is one thing I wanted to bring up too, is there's been a lot of talk about like whether, whether or not he's tied in one or can he beat out Jake Ferguson? And I think all these phrases, these, this phrasing is just incorrect. Like this is not how we should be viewing it. The way we should be viewing it is that Dalton Schultz and his, you know, 60 catches and eight you know 800 yards or whatever it was that he had last year walked out the door that's gone and 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 if you think that ferguson is ready to like step in and do that right away this next year like that's that's literally four times the amount of production that what ferguson had like even if you added hendershot and ferguson together they're not even half as much as what dalton schultz had so that's not that's not to to speak ill will against those my point is that you're going to need Ferguson to double his output. You're going to need Hendershot to double his output. And then you're also going to need a third tight end who's going to have more output than both of them had last year in order to make up what you've lost. So we need all these guys. And I think Schoonemaker is a guy who's going to come in uh, and work with these guys. And I think the thing about it I really like is how his skill set fits with Ferguson. Like Mm -hmm. the one thing that we'll talk about that's a negative with Schoonemaker, and, and I'd love to hear your thoughts here, is that He's not a yak guy. No, like, he's, he's I, that's my that's my number one knock on him. He's just not dynamic after the catch. Now he can be kind of straight lining. Like if he has yeah. an opening, he can get there. But he's not going to make guys miss or jump over guys or anything like that in the open field. But and that's really where Ferguson shines. Yes. You know, that's really yeah. where Ferguson. If you can get Ferguson a short pass, he'll break some tackles and make it a big play. So I think that their skill sets pair really well together uh, because this is a guy who I feel like is going to have a lot. Uh, a better success getting open with his route running being a more kind of universal uh, uh, tight end. Uh, and then you obviously we can have, still have lots of targeting for Ferguson. This isn't, you know, an either, or it's both for sure. The, the other thing that I would say, and it's, it sounds like I'm going to be making a joke, but he gets out to the flats really quickly, uh, partly because I think he's pretty good at getting off the line of scrimmage and he just has a lot of athleticism and a Mike McCarthy offense. It's going to be using a lot of slants and flats. Mm-hmm. Your, your tight end better be able to get out there fast and be able to beat a linebacker to that spot. I think he does a pretty good job at it. I think Michigan actually helped him a lot in that area. Well, I mean, not to incur further wrath from Cowboys Nation, but 
I think he's I think he's ready to run stop routes in the NFL right now. Oh, he did. Like, you know, lunch. yes. He, he snaps off those stop routes so quickly yes. that if he can get the timing down with Dak early, uh, that's going to be easy money for short yardage stuff. Not that I want to throw a bunch of stop routes, but I, I think that's something he's going to be able to do. Yeah. And, and then another thing, I think he is going to be immediately a threat uh, in, in over routes. He, he runs these deep overs and crossing routes, uh, and, and it's just such a big target, yeah. and it does such a great job of catching the ball and then transitioning into a ball carrier. Uh, I think he'll be a real threat and kind of and he, and he has that like second or third gear that none of the other these other our other tight ends Correct. have. Yeah. Like when he's running across the field, he can kick that in that that second gear and create separation and pull away as he's moving across the field. I will also say they ran some routes down the middle of the field for him. And at least in the games I watched, I watched the Michigan State game uh, in the Maryland game this morning. He was open, but J.J. McCarthy the Michigan yeah. quarterback just took off a lot of times or yeah. he decided to do something different. I won't be surprised if we see him get more of those targets in the NFL as a rookie right away, because he's big and athletic. And if you're going to put, you know, a safety on him or a linebacker, he's just going to be able to beat those guys down the middle of the field. So that's something I'm keeping my eye on. Lane, I want to talk about his blocking his role and maybe what his upside is in the NFL next. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs because right now, new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That is $1,000 back in bonus bets. If your first bet doesn't win, you can bet on anything, like the Lakers to upset the Warriors tonight in Golden State. Ah, love that my Lakers are back in meaningful <laughs> playoff games. It's absolutely awesome. Uh, but there's no better place to bet on all the playoff action that America's number one sports book. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That is FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of the NBA. Well, thank you for making Lockdown Cowboys your first listen every day. Every day or tomorrow on the show, we're going to start with our some of our day three previews, talking about Junior Fahoku, and an offensive lineman, Asim Richards, that the Cowboys selected. So make sure you guys tune in for that. Landon, let's uh, let's talk about his blocking because I don't think he's a dominant blocker by any means, but I think he's, for the most part, is in the right spot. He doesn't get shoved back. Like, you see some guys get into his chest a little bit, but doesn't lose a lot of ground. I also like just how how many different places they used him in the backfield, yep. detached, in line, out of the slot. I think Mike McCarthy in the offense is really going to value that. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the thing about blocking in general is that it's not a, a monolith, right? Like, stock blocking is different than blocking on the line of scrimmage. This is different than sealing off. This is different than, you know, trying to, uh, you know, uh, backside cut off a defensive yep. end. These are all very different techniques that are used. Uh, and, and the good thing about him is that because of the versatility that he was deployed in, uh, what you lose in maybe opportunity to uh, to see him as a receiver, you gain in in an opportunity to see him as a blocker in a whole bunch of different ways, right? Yeah. In the variety that we just mentioned, all the different positions that he plays, all the different techniques he has to use. And look, you're right. I, I, I mean, I can't remember the last time I saw a dominant tight end blocker that came out of college. Honestly, uh, most uh, of these just guys. Yeah, most of these guys, you're you're hoping that they can hold their own. They can get get in the way enough to not you know prevent the play from happening, um, and and he can do all of that. You know he 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 can be uh, you know I think he could be close to what you got in Dal- Dalton Schultz 
uh, uh, pretty soon and then get, go, get better from there. Right. Um, Cause I think he has a little bit more strength to him. I mean, I, I mentioned him as Dalton Schultz plus, but I think he has a little bit more power coming into the, the league than, than Schultz did. He's a little bit bigger. I well, think honestly, he's probably a little bit stronger. I watched the play. And I, now I can't remember who it was it against, but Michigan basically ran a jet sweep with the running back and they asked Schoonemaker to make that one block on the linebacker, mm-hmm. right? Basically a one-on-one. It's the same block that we saw Dalton Schultz miss against Tampa Bay yes. in 2021. Yeah. Schoonemaker made it with ease, like didn't even sweat about it. That's where I think he could potentially be a better blocker than Schultz right away. Yeah, I mean his body control is incredible. Like he has, I mean, I think he ran like a six. Is it here? Right here, he's ran a six eight one three cone, and 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 that shows up on tape, right? Like he, you can see that. I we I talked about it with uh, the way he breaks off those those uh, stop routes and the way he runs routes, but you can also see it as a blocker, right? He has very good agility. He's able to readjust and move his body around the, his blocking targets, uh, and 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 what you just described, right, where he has to get out in space hit a guy or block or seal off a guy that's smaller than him that should be able to get around him easily uh, to be able to get there and, and, and seal that off. That, like that takes a lot of athleticism. So you know that he can do that. You know that he can hopefully at least understand, you know that he at least understands and can execute the proper footwork on all the different techniques that you're going to ask him to do as a blocker. I think the question becomes like, how powerful is he? Is he more than just a get in the way guy? Can he be someone that eventually as a Y uh, tight end could actually move people off the ball? Or is he always just going to be kind of your, you know, p- typical tight end, seal them off, just yep. make sure that the ball gets past you before you let them go sort of blocker. My comp for him after watching his tape pre-draft was actually Foster Moreau, who yeah. coming out of LSU didn't have a lot of receiving production, but was an incredible athlete with the versatility, the kind of block and, a lot of different spots. And I think this is a very similar type of player. And Moreau in, in Las Vegas, the last couple of years has been super valuable. I'm kind of expecting that same caliber of player. And honestly, if, if that's what the Cowboys get at 58, I'd be more than happy with it. Yeah. I think that's a fair comparison. I, I think the Cowboys fans are going to be thrilled about this guy. It just takes a little bit more looking to kind of get excited about him, but the upside here is tremendous. And the tape shows you a guy that doesn't look like he has far to go to be a a, a very valuable piece of the team. Overall, I'm pretty excited about this pick. Like seriously, yeah, it might've been a little bit of a reach. Like ideally you'd like to get this guy in the third round, but with the way the tight end run was going, there's just no way that you were going to, he's too good of a player to get to 90. You've maybe reached a tad at 58, but what does it matter? You're going to get a functional tight end. It's going to help you right away. So I think you and I are both on board uh, with Shunemaker. Let's talk about the third round pick at pick number 90, DeMarvion Overshone from Texas. This one's really interesting, Lane, and I, uh, I'm excited to hear your thoughts. Yeah, this is very interesting. I mean, it's, you know, this is the kind of player that uh, you're trusting your coaching staff here, right? Because uh, you watch him on tape and you see a guy – you know, it's interesting. You go back and watch. He he had a very kind of odd uh, uh, route, and frankly, all these COVID kids did. I mean, yeah. just every COVID just had such an effect on these players' development in such an odd way. Uh, it's it, and it's interesting to see how it kind of plays out. This was a kid who uh, came into uh, Texas as a super highly regarded safety. He was one of the high, highest regarded safeties in his class. Uh, pick Texas because he's he loves the state of Texas. He's from ARP, Texas, if I'm not mistaken. 
Um, born in Tyler, and, Texas. Yep. Born in Tyler, right? Um, and he, he, you know, eventually, I think around 2020, started playing a little bit more linebacker. Uh, with the idea that in 2021 he would make that kind of a full transition. So after the 2020 season, uh, they decided to move him to linebacker, and he gets he gets to the 2021 season. They changed. If I, I'm trying to remember the timeline of this, they changed defensive coordinators, and they continue his move to to uh, linebacker. But he, I think he started that 2021 season at 217 pounds or 218 pounds or something yeah, like that. Pretty light. So. Yep. And, and and that 2021 season tape is absolutely brutal. It's abs- yeah. it's absolutely terrible to watch. I mean, there there's definitely stuff to watch that's positive in it. Like he his coverage looks good. He looks good. At, uh, looks comfortable in zone drops. There are things about it that look good that should like the stuff that he has experience in from being a safety. But his re- but his run cues, his fits, his ability to get off blocks. It's all just completely not there. It's just yep. it's 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 worst case scenario as far as the linebacker goes. Go to twenty twenty two season, and the improvement that you see specifically in that area is immense. Like he 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 made incredible leaps as a run defender from the twenty twenty one to twenty twenty two season. Now, is it where it needs to be? I don't think so, especially considering he's a linebacker. But I, I think that what you've seen in the improvement just from last year to this year, I think that he could, he certainly will get there. Um, and then I think the other thing that's just kind of unsaid about this player in general, just watching him, is that to me, it's pretty clear that he's not just going to be playing linebacker. Like yeah. I think that they clearly will move him around a little bit to kind of accentuate his skill set. To, to me, what I see, like the, the bottom line with this kid is that uh, he, this is a – and I hate to use this term because obviously the world we live in, but he's a point and shoot linebacker, right? Like he has to have a direction. Like I, I would, if I was going to deploy this guy, I would give him an assignment on almost every play. Like here, you're blitzing here. You're covering this guy where I think he still is struggling as a linebacker is that his instincts and and his uh, uh, ability to pick up the cues in the run game are just not as developed as he is as, um, those same sort of reactive elements as a zone defender, let's say, mm-hmm. right? It's just it, he he just needs time, and maybe it's not even time. Maybe he just doesn't have those kind of instincts. So I just think, as far as like first and second down, like trying to read his run cue and and run to to and get off a block to make a tackle in the run game, that's not necessarily his game. I would say that you can deploy him in a whole bunch of different ways, but that's where I feel like his weakness lies. Yeah, he's not really like a read and react linebacker. Yes. To me, the, the best football that I saw him play when he was, he was coming downhill attacking. Yeah. Like when he's exactly. blitzing in like the A-gaps, he's awesome because he could just use his athleticism, and he's got a pretty good feel for that. Um, man, there's some times where he flies to the quarterback and he hits the arm of the quarterback and the ball goes up in the air or he chases the quarterback out of the pocket. Like that kind of stuff is really, really fun, and you can see how – in an aggressive defense, how that's going to be valuable. But if you're asking him to drop back in coverage and to make reads and to fill gaps, like I think at least right now, I think he's going to struggle in that area of the game in the same way that like some of these other athletic linebackers over the last couple of years, Isaiah Simmons, Patrick Queen, they've all struggled to do that same type of uh, stuff. I, when I watched him, I couldn't stop thinking about, young donovan wilson sure right because he's just 
he's flying around at a hundred miles an hour and he's disruptive. And sometimes he blows up the whole play and it's an absolute disaster for an offense and you're cheering. Sometimes he blows up the whole play for the defense and it's an absolute disaster for them. Right. He doesn't make the tackle and the guy gets loose for 20 yards or uh, yeah, he doesn't see uh, uh, the misdirection and he runs two, two full steps, the wrong direction before trying to, uh, you know, course correct. So I think, and not that he is that same player, because obviously this is a linebacker. There is some weight difference, about 25 pounds yeah. between these two players. But as far as the sense of, man, I see it. Like, I, I didn't see it at first, but I, after watching him a little bit more last night, I see what the coaches see. Like, yeah. I can see how you deploy this guy, and he's an absolute wrecking ball to offensive schemes. But I, but I, but I have concerns about him being exploited much as you saw with Donovan Wilson early in his career where he was just chaos on the field, both positive and negative at times. Uh, All right. Let's talk about what his role is going to be on the roster this season and beyond next. All right. We are back talking about DeMarvion Overshawn, the Cowboys third round pick from Texas. Um, Lana, let's talk about where he kind of stacks up on the depth chart because He's behind Leighton Vandresh, who just signed a two-year contract extension. He's going to be behind Damone Clark, who has three years left on his rookie contract. But after that, that's where it opens up. There's Jabril Cox, who the Cowboys spent a fourth-round pick on. We're going into year three. There's Devin Harper, who the, the Cowboys drafted last year. How do you think he kind of fits into this linebacker uh, rotation? Well, I, I mean, I, I have to think that it's it's a competition with Jabril Cox, but I think he he kind There's of has such different his, players though. Yeah, I mean, they certainly are. But here's but it's 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 not so much. Look, it's not so much about the depth chart. It's about the game day roster, right? Sure. Because I I think that's where Overshawn is going to be able to really uh, have an advantage over Cox I because agree I, that. I think that Overshawn comes in and he could be your linebacker three or four. He could also be uh, your safety three or four. I mean, it, it, it not maybe not maybe you don't want like if Hooker gets hurt, you don't want him to no. go back and play free safety. But if if Donovan Wilson or Curse gets hurt, I could easily see Overshawn as being one of the guys who kind of steps in to take some of the snaps of that role in certain defenses, right? So I don't know that I would put him in the safety depth chart necessarily. But in the sense that you, of how you deploy Donovan Wilson and how you deploy Deron Curse, like this is a guy who can kind of step in and play some of those roles and and still allow you to, to deploy those defenses, yeah. uh, you know, even if there's an injury. So I, I think his role, obviously, special teams will be a huge part of it. Backup linebacker, but I also think that it, this is a, the kind of uh, Hunter Lipke of the defense in the sure. sort of situation sure. where. He's a guy that you roster because he can he can cover you on the back end uh, of the depth charts for a couple of different positions uh, spe- in specific roles where where he has uh, talents. Listen, as somebody who loved Jabril Cox coming out of LSU, I've really learned that you can't make plays on defense if you're not active on game day, right? Yeah. <laughs> and Jabril Cox doesn't really play special teams, or he hasn't to date, right? Over Sean Ken, he has 472 career special team snaps. And listen, we, we have to remember the Cowboys lost Luke Gifford in free agency. And yes. I know it's not a it doesn't feel like a big loss, but Luke Gifford was one of the guys that played on a, almost every single special teams unit. So if Overshawn can grab that role and kind of work himself into the third or fourth linebacker spot, 
he could have value. The other thing I would say is the third linebacker in Dallas has to play a lot more special team snaps than typically your third linebacker because the Cowboys play fewer linebacker snaps than any other team in the league. I, I saw the numbers a couple of days ago. They were like at the very tippy top of two or fewer linebackers on the field yeah. at the same time because they're going to use Donovan Wilson as a linebacker. They're going to use J. Ron Curse or Israel Makamu. So your third well, linebacker has to be a core special teams guy. You, you mentioned the other name I wanted to bring up, right, is Izzy. And, 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 I, and, I, and I think that this is an interesting conversation because what this allows you to do is if you wanted to, say, play more Izzy in the slot, right, this would allow you to kind of have another different backup plan in case something goes wrong with Donovan yeah. Wilson and Curse because right now Izzy Mukamu is the backup there, right? I mean, obviously Hooker can come out and play some of that stuff. But I think that you know Izzy's the other guy that has a kind of similar size, and maybe also that also opens up the door for people like you know some of the developmental people like Tyler Coyle to come up and and and, and Marquis Bell as well, Marquis yeah. Bell. So I, I think you know what they're trying to do is find redundancies for some of these roles. They're they're codifying these guys as you know in these kind of deployments that they have, uh, and then trying to find backups for these guys. Uh, and I think it's smart to do so using. Uh, linebackers who can also fit kind of a role there because just frankly, as you mentioned, the Cowboys don't deploy true linebackers uh, at the rate that, that the rest of the NFL does. Uh, last thing before we go, of these two players, which one do you expect to play more total snaps, offense, defense, and special teams this season? Uh, I think, I mean, you're asking who will play more with, yeah. with, with in combined. I, I think Schoonermaker will play more. Um, yeah, because honestly, I think, I think he, I think he ends up being the starter at tight end. They I just mean, have I, more depth on defense, right? Yeah, and and and, and, and the the whole point of def, uh, the def defenders is is to deploy them in, in, in rotation, right? Yes. So, they, I mean, they're not even if uh, uh, Overshawn had an incredible training camp and somehow grabbed a starting will linebacker role, he, he may still not play as many, many snaps yeah. as Schoonamaker, right? And there's also a chance the Cowboys bring in a veteran linebacker like they did last year, right? Yeah. Wait until August and, hey, Anthony Barr, do you want to come and gobble up 600 snaps like you did last year? It, that wouldn't surprise me at all either. So I think both these guys are going to play. I think both of them are going to be core parts of your special teams unit. Um, and we'll see what the ceiling is for both of these players. That is it for today's show. Thank you for making Lockdown Cowboys your first listen every day. Every day is tomorrow on the show. We're going to talk about Junior Fahoku and Asim Richards. And can't wait to talk about Fahoku because he's going to have a very interesting role on this defense. We'll get into that tomorrow. Follow the show on YouTube, Locked On Cowboys. You can follow Landon on Twitter at McCoolBCB. I'm at Marcus underscore Mosier, and we'll see you guys next time.